Hey guys, welcome back to Chris Nary Unplugged, episode 23. If you don't know who we are, my name's Chris Mowry. I'm a 22-year-old Gen Z liberal here in the state of Georgia who uh, has always been very passionate about politics, but about a year, just over a year ago now, I uh, turned on a camera one day, started posting videos to TikTok about some of the things I would rant to people about in person, um, and things went well for me. And now I have a podcast with this this dude over here to my to my right or to my left, depending on how. Yeah, whatever, whatever way it looks like. Yeah, but I'm Harry Sisson, 21-year-old liberal. Uh, similar story, I, although I started in 2020 trying to help uh, Biden get elected, and now we're continuing into 2024, 2024 trying to get Biden reelected. So we're continuing the train and hoping uh, to make a difference here. But I just want to say quickly, Chris is now 22, man. Happy I late am. birthday for the people I, who, you know. I, I, appreci- I appreciate that so much, brother. I am. I am uh, I'm now 22. January 28th was the day. It was, um, it, was a good, it was a good day. Nothing's different. Still feel the same. You know, after 21, I feel like, you know, things just kind of there, you know, there's nothing. It's not like I'm going to be able to like legally do anything. I'm fully an adult. (laughs) You know, you're 18. You're like, okay, now I'm an adult, but I'm waiting to drink. Now I'm 22. It's just same old. I'm just kind of scared that I'm getting toward the threes, brother. He's he's starting. One day I'm going to look up and be 30 (laughs) years old. Is that not freaky? It is. It is a little scary. You know, I think like twenty five, you can rent a car, right? Isn't there like uh, isn't twenty five? Yeah, like yeah. Thing? Most yeah. most places have like a have a cap. You you can only rent a car at twenty five. Some places yeah. have like I think New York is actually one of them. And the only reason I know this is because I'm such a nerd. But I think there's certain laws now that like actually require some of these places to like give an option for younger people. But mm. what they've done is you get like a young and this take this with a grain of salt, everyone. I do not know how factually correct this is, but I do know. That regardless of the laws, blah, 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 there is places that offer to people under 25, but they have a young renter's fee, and it is, like, absurdly expensive. Like, really? If mo- I, I yeah, if that. most people could rent a car for a day for, like, I don't know, like, 70 bucks a day, if you're, like, a young renter, you're paying, like, 180 a day. Like, it's uh, absurd. I've looked. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the problem for you, Chris, is it's your new age. You're 22 now, um, but you're still losing to me and Madden all the time, man. What's that all about? Right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like thought. It's, it doesn't happen. I don't know. I that mean, it's ever, true. He's lying I don't know that fine. it's ever happened. You know, guys, if, if for for people who have watched us for a little bit, I know uh, 23 episodes in here. We've taken a, a lot of time off. We've got some big things coming for the pod. Um, mm-hmm. That we're very very excited about. So I promise, stick with us. We appreciate every single person who has, you know, ordered hoodies, supported us in any way. A lot of people watch the podcast are on our TikTok Live and our Discord. We appreciate every single one of you, truly. That's right. Um, but what I was going to say was, um, yeah, you, you, if, if you don't know, if you've been here for a while, Harry is legitimately one of the most competitive people I've ever met. <laughs> and not, like, not in a bad, toxic way at all. In a good way, in a really good way. But he is, like, ridiculous. Re- ridiculously like if i'm up with this dude at three in the morning playing video games and i beat him in cod or madden bro taught like this guy is just it's like okay i told this guy to download call of duty because i used to be i used to be really obsessed with call of duty i was like playing it like um very competitively for like money and i i stopped doing that that was when i was you know years ago um, and so one day I told Harry, I was like, dude, download the game. We should play together sometime. Like, I never really, like, played video games. And so we downloaded it, and I think we played, like, one match together. He never, he had not played COD in a while. And I, I think it was, like, really close. I think I won by, like, one kill. We played, like, Rust Team Deathmatch. I won by, like, literally 50 to 49. This guy then proceeded to play, like, 
a, a, an absurd amount of Call of Duty over the next two weeks. Like, I logged on. This guy was, like, near max level. Like, yeah, I've been grinding. <laughs> I'm like, brother, what? I've been off the PlayStation for, like, six days. What are you? He's like, yeah, I just had to get good. And everything Harry touches, it's it's double-edged sword. Everything Harry touches, he has to just get very good at. Um, he's very competitive. He's like, let's play. Me, bro. He's like, he's like, let's, he's, like, he's like, let's play. Let's play right now. He's like, I put, like, 40 hours into this since you last got on. I'm like, dude. Have you slept? He's like, nah, <laughs> nah. I just recorded videos nah. all day, and then I hop on at night. I'll stay up till like four. I gotta get good. I'm like, wow, I dude. This guy, good. this guy's gassing me up too much now. Although for the uh, record, I uh, I did proceed to uh, beat him a couple times in, in COD 101. We, we haven't played. We haven't played in a little. We haven't played in a while. I think, the, I think it'd be the I same result to be honest. Yeah, you wish. I think we're mm-hmm. gonna play tonight though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean do you want to put? Do you want to put money on it? <laughs> anyway, guys, welcome back. To You're the scared. You're scared. I'm not putting. I don't. I don't bet. I don't. Anyway, anyway. All right. Well, uh, we're going to we're gonna dive story. into the stories here. Um, we're, we're we have some two two interesting stories. Of course, you know the drill. Now we we haven't gone into the specifics privately on either story. We're kind of like hoping to learn with you guys um, about these stories. So, Chris, where would you like to start? Would you like to start with mine or yours this this evening? Morning. Why don't, why don't, you, why don't you start with yours, man? Let's hear. All right. It. Well, Let's sounds good. Got. Let's hear what you got. Yeah, so you know what we're talking about today? We are we're talking about immigration. You know, you're seeing in the news, you're seeing the Republicans talk about it, all this stuff. And I'm sure you've seen recently that there's been a bipartisan deal between Democrats and uh, Republicans in the Senate negotiated for immigration, uh, aid to Ukraine, aid to Israel, aid to Taiwan, a bunch of things. But the border provisions are kind of what everybody's eyes are on right now. Uh, we've been talking about it. We've been kind of flirting with the bill a little bit. But now we have the specifics. So we're going to go over the specifics of this Wait, bill. Whoa, 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 mm. whoa. We have the specifics yeah. since when, brother? Tonight. Literally. So we're filming this on Sunday, February 4th. So it's, when you're watching this, it'll be less than 24 hours since it was released. But we have the no specifics way. now. Dude, we're going to go actually, over it. That's crazy yeah. that you – because I, I, like, I've had like a slow day, like kind of been laying. I did not see that the specifics came out. So yeah, dude. It's like I'm really gonna learn pages. W- Oh it's wow! Great. Okay, I'm really gonna learn with you. Wow, let's see. Yeah, it. we're gonna we're all learning together here. Um, but the, the the major context about this bill is that um, you know Biden has said we need major border reform. Senate Democrats have said that. Senate Republicans have said that. House Democrats have said that, and they're all willing to come to the table and negotiate on this bill, which is negotiated between Democrats and Republicans in the Senate. But MAGA Republicans won't vote for it. We actually, matter of fact, Steve Scalise, the guy that like brings bills to votes in the House, just said tonight that it's not going to get a vote. Because, you know, Republicans don't care about the border. Anyway, so I'm going to share my screen. And if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. You can kind of um, read with us. And if you're audio, we're, of course, going to uh, read it out to you. And we'll, we'll go over it. So this is uh, this is a thread on Twitter or X. I mean, whatever. I mean, that's what I guess crazy people call it. Um, and <laughs> he put up a big thread about the bill. And it's like, I don't know, like nine tweets long. We'll just go through it. So he starts off by saying minutes ago, the text of the bipartisan national security funding bill was released. It funds Ukraine, Israel, and humanitarian relief, and it secures our border and reforms our asylum law. Um, He was a co-author, and he went over the key elements. He said first, um, which is super important, it'd be easy to keep immigration and border policy as a political cudgel for another 40 years. But politics at its best is about finding uh, bipartisan compromises on the toughest issues, and that's what we've done here. Which, you know, Chris, is especially... um, Something we've seen in the Biden presidency, finding bipartisan solutions, and then the Republicans, you know, for the most part, they stay out of it. They're not interested in re- reaching across the aisle. This, this is, is this is accurate. I tell people mm-hmm. all the time, it's not only impressive that Biden has um, passed just, like, physically so much policy, but he's – a lot of it has been done on very thin lines mm. um, with a lot of bipartisan support. So, yes, I agree. And w- really quickly, just to reiterate for the people listening or watching – 
We love you all, by the way. Who who is this Twitter thread from? Sorry, I may I'm actually might not have said it. It's Senator Chris Murphy. He's from Connecticut, Democrat, was a co author of this bill, specifically the immigration parts of the bill. Okay, perfect. Just, just so, wanted sorry, to read it. No, no, yeah, it's totally yeah. cool. It's totally cool. Might have blew past that. Um but anyway, now we get into like the exact specifics. He says First and foremost, a quicker, fairer asylum process. No more 10 years of waiting. Claims process in a non-detained, non-adversarial way in six months. Six months. Uh, you'll see like with a lot of people who seek asylum will take very, very long time. So if this can happen, that'd be fantastic. It's a, he also says a slightly higher asylum screening standard at the border, which, of course, you know, that's perfectly fine. We like um, making sure that, you know, anybody that's seeking asylum has a proper claim and is not just somebody who's trying to abuse the system. Um, and then also, no more waiting for work permits. This is super, super important. Most asylum seekers can get work immediately. And, you know, if Republicans are against this, it'll be quite interesting because they're always saying, like, no, we have no problem with people coming in and working, you know, legally and stuff like that. This would allow that to happen. So if they're opposed to this, you know, you'll see that they so, don't actually care. Fascinating. This is already very fa- – do you mind if I, like, butt in already for a yeah, second? Yeah, no, go please, yeah, no, please, yeah. So, please. So going back a second to what you just read, so – asylum process that's six months do you have you have we seen i know this literally just came out but i'm very curious how specifically that's written to just get that done that seems like a pretty um aggressive uh a pretty uh what's the word ambitious ambitious thank you yeah well i think um so obviously i haven't read the entire bill it's over 300 pages um but from my understanding this comes from a lot of like funding the immigration judges and like the immigration legal system uh, uh, to process these claims quicker, and that's why there's such a backlog because the immigration courts just simply cannot hold, withhold the um, amount of cases. They can't get through them fast enough, so we need more judges and funding more. And I think that's kind of what they're talking about Interesting. here. Interesting. Okay. It speeds it up. Great. All right. Yeah. Cont- uh, continue. Super good, right? So awesome. Yeah. And then number four, a brand new right to legal representation for all immigrants. Which is insane. Like the fact, the fact that this is not already a thing is kind of crazy. Um, but as Chris Murphy says, remember when Trump denied lawyers to victims of the Muslim ban? Never again. And the first ever government paid for lawyers for young unaccompanied, excuse me, unaccompanied minors, a longstanding injustice. Right. I mean, the fact that like you know we have due process in the country and everybody has a right to due process, and the fact that like <laughs> people have been denied lawyers for representation, basically, basically like almost. Uh, making their deportation certain is kind of crazy to me. I don't know. Yeah, dude, that is fantastic. Wow. I feel like I'm already like, you know, <clears throat> I think for people who just, this may not matter that much, but, you know, me personally, regardless of what I do on social media or when I when I talk to people online or TikTok, like as, as a voter personally here in Georgia, everybody's got, obviously, there's so much polling about, you know, what are your top issues? What are your top five issues or top 10 issues as a voter? And everyone's top issues are different. Um, it, it just says like a, a, a person growing up who was very passionate, became very passionate about politics around 16 and is now 22. I've, you know, um, you know, this is often a conversation in America, but obviously, especially now, this is not an issue that as a personal voter, I'd, I've ever been particularly like, concerned about the the border as a whole um it's it's like i probably could name six or seven other issues that like are are more important to me um and so which is like like i said everyone's different a lot a lot of people in this country the majority uh, one and two are the economy and the border that's that makes perfect sense but uh, in terms of my actual like 
understanding on a lot of uh, border issues is not as well well founded as, as a lot of the other issues I'm very passionate about. So I'm already like this is um, this is going to be really fascinating going forward. And I would like to hear um, about because I already know, like you said, um, Republicans uh, due to, you know, Trump's Trump's uh, Trump's call. They're going to bow to him and <laughs> say and just not they're not going to let any of this anything pass because uh, they, they don't want to give Biden a, a quote unquote win in election, which is just playing politics. Yeah, no, well, exactly right. That's I, I also feel the same way where it's like, no doubt, I recognize that the border is a problem. But this would the problem at the border would never make me not vote for like a Democrat, right? Like it would never it's it would never drive me to like vote for the, the guys who want to overturn elections without winning them. Right. It just it just doesn't right. make much sense to me. It's obviously right. a big problem in a lot of cities in the in the country being overwhelmed because, you know, um, the, the double. The funny thing is, it's, it's ironic. The Republicans complain about it and they don't want to give these cities the resources to deal with it. So they kind of make the crisis worse anyway. Um, but, yeah, it's just not it's just not something that moves me. I don't know. Right. Right. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like and like Harry said, like I dev- I would definitely acknowledge that uh, the border is a problem. And I think it's like I com- I completely understand when a, a vast majority of Americans who are polled about this say this is their number one or number two issue. It's just fascinating on an independent level, um, just as a person, how this has not been an issue that particularly moves me either. But um, mm. regardless, sorry for throwing that in. Um, let, let's let's hear this anyway. And then number five is a requirement that the president uh, or excuse me, requirement the president to funnel asylum claims to the land ports of entry when more than 5000 people cross a day. The border never closes, but claims must be processed at the ports. This allows for a more orderly, humane asylum processing system. And then number six kind of like ties into that. But important checks on that power. It can only be used for a limited number of days per year, and it sunsets in three years, meaning they would need reauthorization again by Congress and signing into law by the president. Uh, emergency cases that show up in between the ports still need to be accepted. Um, those are very, very, uh, you know, a limited number of cases, pretty much rare. Uh, and the ports must process a minimum of 1,400 claims a day. So, you know, just trying to reform that, that asylum, the asylum system, making it more humane, um, and making, I think, like overall just work better, like more effective and having, the, the, you know, these caps, I think, you know, probably more of a Republican po- proposal there having these caps. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. What do you think? Sorry. Well, what's, well, yeah, what's interesting here is I, I originally remember reading that in this bipartisan bill, it was going to be, you know, it, it says at the bottom here again, if, if you're watching along on YouTube, you can see the tweets as well from, from Chris Murphy here. Shout out to politicians who do stuff like this, by the way, because this is very, very helpful. But um, the border never closes, but claims must be processed at the ports. And like I remember originally, I think the 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 start of this bill was going to be at five thousand. Well, there's a debate, but it was at five thousand um, or seventy five hundred um, or even up to ten. That at, at a certain point, it would just close. The border would just automatically close. And essentially, the Biden administration would actually be legally required. Um, to close the border. And then I guess that that didn't happen, um, which is fascinating. But this also, you know, seems like a, uh, a more o- orderly system. Yeah, I, th- th- I wonder, like, I wonder why that was reported. That might still be in the bill. Maybe Chris Murphy's just not talking about it here because obviously it is 300 pages. It's kind of hard to sum it up in a nine thread tweet. Mm-hmm. But it, it also could just be kind of like, it might have just been that they were kind of over-exaggerating the closing the border thing, right. where they mean like, yeah, you just have to go to um, the claims must be processed at the ports. 
Right. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think it, it seems like a very good start to me. It seems like a I very agree. good start. No, I, I agree. That's pretty much my right thoughts. It seems like a good start. So um, anyway, number seven, um, which I think this – I read about this. This, uh, this is before we did the podcast. I think this is super cool. He says, uh, you can't reduce arrivals at the border without allowing for more legal immigration. So more visas, 50,000 extra employment and family reunification visas each year for the next five years and a brand new visa category to allow non-citizens to visit family in the U.S. I think that's pretty cool. Let's go. More, we, more workers. We, yeah, that's great. You know, that's fantastic. Family and allowing people to okay. come and legally visit family and things like that. Um, and, of course, more workers in the United States is a great thing. Yeah. Um, and genuinely, if anybody, like, if any Republican is saying, like, no, 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 we don't, we don't need more workers, then I don't know what to tell them. Immigration is good for GDP. It's good for the economy. And this would right. be great. More yeah. work visas, getting people here legally, making hopefully reducing the time that it takes for people to get visas. Fantastic. I agree. I agree 100%. You know? that, is, that is really cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, number eight. And there's only like a couple more. Um, number eight, a clarification of how humanitarian parole is used at the land borders, but no changes to the president's ability to bring in vetted sponsored migrants through the program known as CNHV, Cuba, Nicaragua, Haiti, and Venezuelan parole. Excuse me, parole. Um, and humanitarian parole is the system that President Biden kind of utilized to allow for people to come in legally and work for a year or two. It does allow for them to um, apply for like asylum after that year or two, depending on how long they stay. Um, but this is really good. I mean, a clarification is great because a lot of Republicans are trying to uh, hinder his ability to use humanitarian parole, which, again, would vet people, bring in people legally, which I don't know why they're opposed to that. That's what they're constantly screaming about. Um, but this is good. This is another good thing, I think. This uh, is good. Yeah, this is this is great. I, I agree. Um, yeah, and then I think this is, yeah, I think this is, this, this is like the last final thing, and then he says one more thing. And number nine, a new pathway to citizenship for Afghan parolees, the Afghan Adjustment Act, and the children of H-1B holders. These kids are often currently subject to deportation when they become 21, um, which obviously is crazy. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, it's kind of like in, in line with, like, DACA, like the dreamers and right. folks who come here when they're kids. And then, you know, Republicans are like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, this is all you know, but we're going to deport. It makes no sense. Right. And right. then he just finishes up with the bill helps fix the border and reform our broken asylum system, but it doesn't deviate from our nation's core values. We are a nation that rescues people from terror and violence. We are a nation that is stronger because of our tradition of immigration period. Stop. Wow. Great. What do you think, man? That, dude, that is fantastic. That, you know, I know that's only, um, that, I know that's only, you know, that was nine, uh, a thread of, of nine tweets, but obviously from Chris Murphy, it's a, it's a, it's very good information. Mm. That's really fascinating, especially since I have not seen, I did not see that that uh, got got released. So, I excuse me. My question becomes, what? And I know, like I think, and and for people, you know, who are, are listening right now, essentially what I tell you know, I had an eighteen year old come into my TikTok live, and I think that's pretty surprising. I don't know about your end when you do TikTok lives, but most of my people who come up who like request are forty five and up. I rarely have like gen zers or people young request so when this 18 year old came up i was like really interested to talk to him and he's in texas um and he's like uh, comes from like a very small town plays d1 football now at tcu um really hard working kid um but grows up in like a completely different lifestyle than i ever grew up it's a really fascinating conversation but he asked me a question because coming from a very conservative background he's like you know what what is going on with the border i don't understand you know we have 
now you know a lot of people are trying to figure out what's going on with um people are ge- in general confused about what's going on between Texas and the U.S. Border Patrol and the razor wire and blah blah blah. But how I summed it up to him and how I'd sum, sum it up to you, if if at all you are confused, is we're, we're essentially at the point now, speaking very broadly, that we all agree that the border is a problem, and now we're all playing politics. Uh, well, speaking non-biasedly for a second, we are quote unquote all playing politics um, to fix it. Uh, a lot of us would argue that Republicans are mainly the ones playing politics to fix it, but we all agree it's an issue, and now our system is trying to figure out how to fix it while you know Republicans play politics. And the reason I bring this up is because you know Biden Biden has introduced multiple bills, or Democrats have introduced multiple bills to Congress throughout Biden's presidency to try to address the border. Um, you know, and there's been some back and forth about you know Republicans not wanting to pass X bill and blah 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 blah, and we were getting close to a solution. Until in the last few weeks, uh, we learned essentially that Donald Trump um, made the call, made, quote unquote, made the call and told Republicans, uh, Cong- you know, Republicans in Congress, don't pass this bill. I'll fix it when I'm in office. Like, essentially, don't give Biden a win right now. And we've seen, you know, Republicans on the steps of Congress, multiple different re- Republicans in Congress reiterate the exact same thing, literally look in the camera and say, you know, Biden's polling poorly. Uh, why would we give him a win right now? We're nine months, 10 months away from the election. Um, and that's that's the reality, especially for Republicans. I think they view it as, you know, if if we're getting close to an election and to, like I said, the, a lot of people's top issue is the border. If you appear if it appears that Biden, you know, worked to fix the border, then people may not vote for Republicans. And so they really don't want to pass any type of border solution right now. Um, And so with all that being said, with these new details, I'd be curious, and you can correct me if I got any of that wrong. I'd be curious what what the Republican PR on this is going to be. Well, you know what? I actually, I actually just, while you were, while you were talking, I just found something interesting. Um, about the bill and a lot of people are talking about it and it's about that 5,000 cap we were talking about. And so this is what's, this is what's interesting. So Senator James Langford, Republican who worked on the bill said that the border emergency authority has been the most misunderstood or maybe just misrepresented parts of the bill. Some people have said it would mean 5,000 people a day are coming to the country every day. That is absurd and untrue. Um, And then I don't know where his, he has more on this thread. Uh, Maybe I can find it here. Uh, the emergency authority is not designed to let 5,000 people in. It is designed to close the border and turn 5,000 people around. The border emergency authority only lasts three years, as we talked about, to force this admin to shut down the border and give time for the next POTUS, uh, Joe Biden, to hire more agents and more officers. Uh, after three years, it expires because we have the border under control. And then um, Sahil Kapoor, who is a journalist, said Langford is correct here. This is an emergency trigger that forces a border shutdown and immediate rejection Language DHS secretary, quote, shall summarily remove when asylum seekers reach 5,000 a day in a week. It does not greenlight 5,000 arrivals, a lot of other choke points. Right. And then a way to think of the 5,000 trigger, it's a backstop when shit hits a fan, not a new quota of X many welcome per day. Right. It says no right. more than 5,000 right. enter that was my, under any that circumstance. Was, that was my understanding, that part yeah. of the— Part of, you know, the bi- the being bipartisan here is, you know, that re- Republicans, I think, very much wanted, like, essentially at, <clears throat> like it says, again, if you're on YouTube, looking at these tweets that are literally coming out as we're recording this, which is pretty cool. Um, 
like yeah we've been recording for 26 minutes this tweet came out 20 minutes ago yeah um but yeah you know this is an emergency trigger that forces a border shutdown so essentially like the biden for all intents and purposes the biden administration would be forced to shut down the border at five like as as, you, as soon as you cross that threshold which i think was very much pushed for by republicans yeah it says mandatory activation the secretary shall activate the board and emergency authority if during a, se- a period of seven consecutive calendar days there's an average of five thousand or more aliens not a fan of the word aliens i understand it's used for a legal purpose that's how it's used in the law but anyway just for the people listening um, who are encountered each day or on any one calendar day, a combined total of 8,500 or yeah. more encounter. Interesting. Right. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, a lot of details still coming out. As Chris said, it's in real time, legitimately, pretty like, literally in real time, That's which is really super cool. cool. I'm glad so, we got to pick. We started recording now. <laughs> right. That's that, <laughs> yeah. a good idea. Right. I agree. 100%. So what – so I appreciate you finding that, by the way. So then yeah. – so this bill, so 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 talk to people here for me because I think I think in a lot of ways you uh, can can encapsulate things like this better. So explain to people listening as we're learning about this bill, where, with the next step for this bill, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of the PR play from Republicans, assuming you know they they're not yeah. gonna, they're not going to allow this bill to pass. So the first steps are, are getting it past the Senate. Um, they were talking about a vote next week, which would be, I guess, this upcoming week of between like the 5th to the ninth, whatever it might be, 5th or the 5th, or the 5th to the 10th. Um, and they, of course, they have to get 60 votes. You have to get 60 votes um, to overcome the filibuster. And it might be the case that there are 60 votes. Um, I'm sure that we have senators like Langford, like Romney, um, who might be interested in a bill like this. McConnell, who worked on the bill, surprisingly. You might actually get 60 votes in the Senate, but the problem is in the House. They've already said that they're not going to give it a vote. So this bill might just be dead. It, it, like We're reading it. It seems really interesting, and it seems like it would do a lot to address some obvious problems that are happening at the border right now. I'm especially, especially a fan of like the funding the more judges. Um, but I guess MAGA Republicans are just going to kill it on arrival. Then what's their PR? Well, there is none. You know, They're already trying to spin this. They already have ski- – like actually, let me let me um, – yeah. Let me see if I can pull this up. That's, Steve that, Scalise. That's what I. That's what I was also curious if you could pull up about the the, the ongoing as we literally as we record. Here it is. Steve, this is the, and this was like 58 minutes ago. So oh, wow. like 20 minutes before we started filming. Steve wow. Scalise, the guy who makes votes happen, uh, said, "Let me be clear: the Senate border bill will not, in all caps, not receive a vote in the House." Here's what the people pushing this quote deal aren't telling you. It accepts 5,000 illegal immigrants a day and gives automatic work permits to asylum recipients, a magnet for more illegal immigration. So, now, we just discovered that that's not true. Right. So literally, this is this is actually really fascinating if you are listening to this. And this is like – I think this is a perfect – I love how real-time this is. Mm. This is a perfect example. And again, I think from like – Harry is very much like very – Harry and I bounce off each other in different ways, but I'm always fascinated about the PR perspective of politics because it just it's very fascinating to me. But literally real time, as we as Harry and I scream all the time on social media about the Republican playbook is is a wave of just lying to the American people over and over and over again. And specifically, you know, we saw it with with this, the MAGA and the Trump administration. You know, a lot of presidential historians pointed out he he lied more than any president, maybe more than any president ever in U.S. history. Uh, and it's just a, a literal – I call it a wave of propaganda. And and the idea here is that like we've never seen before in the modern era of of media, when you – you know, if, if you push 20-plus lies a day, uh, eventually like 
media that would normally be able to fact check you and call you out, essentially it, it can't. Something, some things get through the American people. Some things work. Um, and we're literally seeing in real time here. As, as 20 minutes ago, we got the text. We, Harry and I see the text real time uh, explaining very, very clearly that this bill is not um, – the, 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 the uh, stop for the bill at 5,000 people. It's not accepting 5,000 people into the border. It is, it is essentially closing the border and turning 5,000 people away. Yeah, it's saying like if it gets to that, if right. it's right. not saying, hey, come on in and then we'll cap it at five. It's saying if it gets to that point, and even there's even lower numbers, I believe, for different um, circumstances, uh, like a 4,000 kind of range, I believe. Um, it's saying if, and he's just saying, oh, no, it just allows. And, right. and again, this and is not even like it's not even like a Democrat in the Senate saying, no, the Republican is lying. It's literally a Republican senator saying that these Republicans are lying. Right. It's, it's Republican on Republican violence. Right. Republican on right. But, yeah. but like, literally, uh, uh, objectively here, we, we are seeing real time. This is what Heron and I scream about of, like, just, just outright this wing of this party just lying to the American people, flat in their face. Harry and I just read it together that this bill says the exact opposite of what Steve Scalise tweeted an hour ago, yeah. and he just tweeted anyway, just a flat-out abhorrent lie and again here's the text like we don't even have to like it's not like we're we're just hypothesizing about it it says right here right here in the text page 212 during a period of i already read it but during a period of seven consecutive calendar days there's an average of five thousand or more uh, who are encountered at the border then it has a mandatory activation of a shutdown right it's right there like i mean the, the, yep. here's the thing just don't be fooled by these lies because we can just look at the text we don't have to like right. uh wonder if this is what it says we can just read it and, oh, right. there, there it is. Yeah, there, uh, even even lower, right? There's an average of four thousand. Yes, seven consecutive calendar days. So there's different there's different standards. Um, discretionary. So then here's the different standard. Discretionary activa activation is um, it's not legally required. It's like they could if they feel overwhelmed or they don't have to. But mandatory means that they actually have to by law. Um, so yeah, I mean they're just. I mean this is insane. We are really real real time watching really just, watching these lies spread in so, real time. So, and there's your answer to, you know, what I was asking of what's the Republican BR here of why they're not passing the bill. It's to just lie. It's mm. to just go on as many media campaigns as they can to have MAGA Republicans stand up on whatever news site, on post as much as they can on Twitter, and just flat out lie about the bill and be like, this is why we won't pass it. And they'll spin it and say, we didn't pass it because, you know, it's essentially a way to get more illegal immigrants, quote unquote, into the country. And they'll just flat out lie and that's that's their PR plan. It's man, it's that's crazy, disgusting. Yeah, and I mean, and the bill is so long. There's so so there's so much to lie about. I mean, we'll have to be really on our game. You know, not just Chris and I, but all of us, Democratic Party as well, to like fact check this stuff. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think that there are some definitely harsh things in the bill, but which are obviously coming from the Republican side of the aisle. Um, but man, like the fact that I mean, just listen to this, guys. I mean, this is why we can't take Republicans seriously on the border. They are not interested in solutions. They, their solution, they, I think it was like HB 12 or something like that. It's a House bill on the border. And basically their, their bill is like, yeah, we're going to build the wall. They don't fund judges. They don't do any of the stuff that will actually solve it. They're just like, let's build the wall. And then Senate Democrats are like, uh, no, that's a non-starter. We're not going to right. build the wall because it doesn't solve anything. Right. And then we actually have a deal here between Democrats and Republicans. Solves a lot address a lot of the um the problems with the immigration system but mag republicans are saying no because donald trump doesn't want him to right crazy 
Wow. Crazy, man. So I, well, there you go. Dude, nice, nice story pick. That was fantastic. Thank you, man. Thank you. Well, I'm looking forward and to it. I appreciate about... you teaching me uh, a lot about that because, again, like I, my familiarity on, on some of the stuff going on on the borders is not great compared to other, to, to other issues. So that was very, that was fascinating. Yeah, man. I mean, it's really just come to a, a head recently with, you know, and I just, last thing I'll say on this, have, isn't it been fascinating to watch the Republican pivot? Like, they have went from talking about the economy every day. They were like, inflation, 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 gas prices, gas prices, gas prices. And then it all started to fall. And now the economy is doing really well. The Fed's saying the economy is doing well. Fox News is saying the economy is doing well. So they're scrambling behind the scenes. So like, what do we come up with? Border, it's immigration, border. go back to the old playbook. And now it's, look what they're doing. It's, it's, it's a constant, like, uh, it's, it's a constant um, reaching for straws, and especially mm. like in the PR game of like what Republicans do. It's like, we'll just make shit up. And and as soon as like that that's not working anymore, we'll go to the next. We'll go to the next. We'll just reach and reach and reach and reach and reach and try to make us up as much bullshit as we can. And like again, that's a fantastic point about the economy. Like we we were seeing, like we're finally seeing like people, like who haven't spoken about this in a while. Like, and I think it's easier for us to see because being on social media all day. But there's clearly people now who are are feeling less pain from the economy there's more half of states have gas prices under three dollars there's more money in your account inflation is you know still sub four percent we saw last month in, in the uh, uh january jobs report three hundred fifty thousand jobs added to the u.s economy that's doubling expectation the labor market's still on fire while you know inflation is is still you know uh it, it, under control enough that the fed's not going to raise rates the dow and the s p are hitting record record highs people's 401ks are feeling better um, and wages are still rising, and, and and we've talked about it's not perfect. And I think like you and I also live in, in in this economy. I'm not trying to, you know, tell people that everything is fantastic. But in terms of our position in the world from this recovery from COVID, we are by far that we've had the most growth out of any nation in the world in the last three years. We've had, uh, we have just pure data data point wise, we have the strongest economy in the world. Yeah. Um. And so all of a sudden, when people are staring at like you know, $2.50 gas, and they got a manufacturing job in Ohio because of Biden's, you know, CHIPS Act, or $130 billion of student debt has been um, has been wiped away for three plus million borrowers. Um, and then people are like, oh, yeah, like, I can actually kind of go spend some money. Like, things are things are turning around. Republicans are just like, shit, shit, shit. Let's move to the next thing. We'll just we'll just gaslight the American people. We'll just move to the next thing. And and once this whole it all fizzes out, they'll just move to the next thing. Oh move yeah, it'll to be the next, next thing. thing. I wonder. Yep. I wonder. I mean, I wonder what the next thing will be. They, it it actually went. It sort of went economy. Then it went Hunter Biden and economy. Then they realized that both the arguments started to collapse. So now they don't talk about the economy. They don't talk about they're Hunter talking, Biden. Now, yeah. they're, now they're talking about board. Um, but it's actually and the funny thing on the economy is like I actually saw this stat from Axios the other day that not only are Americans spending more than ever, like they're going out to dinner, they're going to movies, they're like spending in the economy, which is a good thing, but they're also gambling more than ever before, oh. suggesting a lot of discretionary income. Interesting. Which is something, just an interesting data point. Interesting, interesting. data point. Interesting. Um, I'd like to see that. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's from, I'll, I'll maybe show you the article after. It's, it's, it, I was just like, wow, that's an interesting thing. Hmm. Um, but anyway... All right. That, that's that. So talk that's to me, that. man. I want to hear what you got. Well, and what let's, we... Yeah, let's do it. So... My story is going to be, you know, a little, a little, a little, a little personal and then going into some local Georgia politics. So, Harry, as you know, I've been uh, a staffer at the Georgia State Capitol. Um, I was I was lucky enough through social media to to meet someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone. 
And I got involved with local politics because I, I thought it was important to, you know, get get my get my uh, feet feet wet, really see things on a local level, especially a state in Georgia that's going to be very important to the election. Our state legislature is is dominated by Republicans. Um, and uh, I was like, yeah, let's let's do this. So I, I volunteered, you know, obviously not paid um, to be a staffer at the Capitol for a woman that I love to death. She is incredible. Um, and so I've spent pretty much every day there, um, all day, uh, you know, working and, and being in these committee hearings and really seeing like some of these things happen real time. And it's been super cool, super, super cool to watch. Um, and I'm going to do some, you know, if anyone's interested, some day in the life stuff about it. I, my, my job is pretty much just all hands on deck and then colleges and, uh, high schools also, uh, send, um, like through, through certain programs, there's interns that get to intern at the Capitol. So sometimes I'm leadership for these inter for interns, and I help them, help guide them to do whatever they need to do. Anyways, the thing, I, as many people know, I'm very passionate. One of the issues I'm passionate about is abortion. Um, and basically, here in Georgia, we have a six-week abortion ban. Um, it's very strict. And I wanted to talk about... Um, some of the facts around what I learned this week, specifically here in Georgia, and what Republicans are doing about our issues with women, women, uh, women's health and, and abortion. So very quickly, and, and I think the reason I want to talk about this is because Georgia is not the only state. I just think it's a very good example. And if you're in a state with a very heavy abortion ban uh, or a very uh, a strict abortion ban, I think it's it's a this state very much represents a lot of what is is just fundamentally wrong with the Republican Party and how they attack this issue, and I think it also attacks the fact that a lot of people don't realize that this issue is a lot more than just people's constitutional fundamental right to an abortion, which they obviously have, but has also bled very much into health care for women overall and health care for everybody. And so I wanted to talk about that for a second and pull up a couple stats. So. As I said, uh, Georgia has, has a six-week abortion ban. We have, as a state, a $10 billion, with a B, a $10 billion state surplus. So for anyone listening, that essentially means that the state of Georgia makes a lot more money than we spend. We have a lot of, of room here as a state to, to use some of this spending to, you know— help all sorts of things and one of these things would be maternal mortality and women's health care so i want to pull this up this is this is um this is you know this was an article written in july uh july 19th 2023 and i think it paints a picture that i that i want to talk a little bit more about so we're going to hit share here screen if chris can figure out how to all right so check this out so can you see this uh yes i can Perfect. wow Maternal mortality worsens in Georgia. Estimated maternal mortality rate in 2019 by state. So, this is essentially New York, right? Right. What? Maternal mortality rates in Georgia have been have been increasing. Yeah, that's actually crazy. We should go look at that after this. Um, Maternal mortality rates in Georgia have been increasing. Um, You know, uh, essentially between uh, the Georgia Department of Public Public Health's latest maternal mortality report found 30.2 pregnancy-related deaths per 100,000 live births between 2018 and 2020. That's up from 25.1 deaths between 2015 and 2017, 
and 25.9 deaths from 2012 to 2014. Um, and diving into a couple of these statistics, I'm, I'm going to talk before I, I scroll down. The United States ranks almost dead last in terms of developed nations in maternal mortality, where I believe we're 55th um, in the world, which is disastrous. And here in Georgia, we have one of the country's worst maternal mortality rates, especially for women of color. And, and, and the stats here, again, comparatively to the rest of the world, are, are striking. And so, if I scroll down here, um, the report defines pregnancy-related deaths as those that happen during or within a year after pregnancy from related complications by the numbers. More than half of pregnancy-related deaths were among black women, 34% were among white women, 7% among Hispanic women. 60% uh, of patients were insured by Medicaid when delivering their babies. Um, when it comes to the racial disparity, the report notes obesity uh, at least probably contributed to 42% of deaths. Um, mental health issues factored in 18% and 13% related to substance abuse. Of note, 89% of the deaths could have been prevented. The report notes, I want you to sit on that for a second, 89%. The top causes of deaths were hemorrhage, uh, cardiovascular issues, coronary issues, etc., and this is, this is, again, this is just kind of a very big picture of, of some of what was found um, in this. Now, um, the big picture. Na uh, nationwide maternal mortality rates have more than doubled between 1999 and 2019, uh, with states in the Midwest, Great Plains, and South accounting for significant increases. Um, so, talking about this again for a second, when you talk about banning... Uh, I'm sorry, when you talk about getting um, overturning Roe v. Wade, and a lot of states have now, especially in the South, have very, very, very strict abortion laws. This has had a direct cause, and I know this article was written in July of 2023, but we're seeing like a very, very up-to-date data showing that in a state like Georgia, we're seeing significantly uh, already, oh, we were already one of the nation's uh, worse states for maternal mortality, and we're seeing it get significantly worse after Roe v. Wade was overturned. And a lot of this is because of, again, things that Republicans or people in general don't seem to want to think about in terms of, of women's health care. So, for example, here in Georgia, um, the average drive to an OBGYN is over an hour. From anywhere, you know, on in any given location, the average drive is an hour. Half of our counties in Georgia do not have an OBGYN. They have left. In terms of our actual, um, you know, in terms of women's actual ability to get information that may save them from or, or help them health-wise to be able to get help from anything relating to healthcare uh, and pregnancy healthcare, um, we we essentially. Uh, a lot of doctors have talked openly in this state about how they essentially will will just deny women a lot of that information because they're scared about the criminal repercussions. A lot of doctors in Georgia uh, have our top talent has left. I want to remind you, I'm in uh, I grew up in Atlanta. We are home of the CDC, and we are home of Emory University, which is one of the best in the nation uh, in terms of healthcare. We have lost top talent because top top doctors do not want to have to work in an environment where part of their job 
if if they're working with women in healthcare is consulting with lawyers about whether they could be criminally charged for helping women because again and Georgia somewhat but a lot of states like Mississippi that have really strict abortion laws that are very vague uh and and we've obviously seen in places like Texas where an attorney general or the state of Texas will just outright threaten hospitals with criminal legal action if they give an abortion a lot of uh, healthcare providers don't want to do their job when they're having to consult with lawyers about if they can do what they feel is medically necessary. And so actually here in Georgia, we've seen health outcomes for all of Georgians, uh, men and women, go down after Roe v. Wade because we lost doctors, top doctors, left because they don't want to be here in a state that is, you know, that that doesn't allow them to do their job. And I saw, and I, and, and all this to say, I, I heard a very powerful story from from a woman at, at a reproductive um, freedom event. The Georgia uh, Democrats have introduced the Reproductive Freedom Act, uh, or they want to introduce the Reproductive Freedom Act. Republicans are not allowing them to get a hearing on the House floor. And so we go across the street to the church in downtown Atlanta, and we had a, a hearing, uh, a, a, an impromptu hearing for the Reproductive Freedom Act. And one of the representatives, very powerful, said, as someone from a nonprofit was talking, and they, they said we're one of the only places in Georgia where you can get information and get help about getting an abortion, um, or a nonprofit, etc. One of the representatives said, "I actually had my third child, an unplanned pregnancy, and when I went to the doctor, my OBGYN that I've gone I had gone to for uh, my whole life, they essentially looked at me and said, we we can't help you. We have no like we can't help you. They handed me a piece of paper and said, go look. You know, you can go reach out to one of these." nonprofits, maybe they'll be able to help you, but we can't help you. And she felt lost. She got no information. She didn't know what to do. Wow. Um, and so she actually looked at this woman who's leading this nonprofit and essentially said, thank you for, for, for helping me personally during this time. Um, wow. And again, I want to, to, to full circle bring that all in, which was not, none of that was super well said, but I, I'm trying to essentially conceptualize to you that we have a $10 billion surplus. We have a ton of money to spend. We have some of the worst maternal mortality outcomes in the country. Women are struggling to find doctors to help them with reproductive care. Republicans in this state won't even hold a hearing on the Reproductive Freedom Act. Meanwhile, with our $10 billion surplus and our massive majorities for Republicans in the House and the Senate, and they hold the governor's office, I'm sitting in committee meetings every day, and the bills they are introducing for this session are all about election security and i'm not talking about like um important like i'm talking about political election security i think you understand what i mean by that i'm sitting yeah, in commi yeah. committing meetings for two hours listening to a um, a dominion guy a guy from dominion talk about the logistics of taking all of georgia's voting machines 3200 of them and increasing the 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 DPI, you know, they they take pictures of these of ballots to determine if they're signed by humans or by computers, increasing the DPI from 200 the resolution to 600, and the massive amount of well, the actual really massive but potentially really just unclear amount of work and money and resources it would take to do that to program all the machines, um, while the Dominion guy is telling these Republicans who want who are obsessed with passing bills like this. There's just no difference between 200 DPI and 600 DPI. Like, I, I promise it wouldn't make a difference. We can tell with 99.9% .9 accuracy if it was signed by a robot or a human. 
But if you want to increase it to 600 DPI, here's... So we have a ton of money, and Republicans are focused on um, spending that money on weird... uh, Essentially, Trump's own political campaign. They're also passing bills about, you know, know, basically political bills about calling out anti-Semitism to try to... Uh, essentially not in any good faith, but to try to put Democrats in a weird PR position because of what's going on overseas. And they're spending all of this time uh, just playing Trump's PR team. While women in Georgia die, can't get health care, and we have a lot of money to potentially solve this issue, even if we keep the six-week abortion ban. That's that's That Dude. was not super well planned out, and that was not super well said. No, no, But I no. think you get the gist. I, I, I definitely do. Dude, that's insane. I, I like I was just kind of letting you go because, man, that's a lot of very valuable information. But um, one of my thinking is I wonder what the long-term repercussions are going to be of like these OBGYNs and doctors fleeing. Like, for example, you were saying how um, the average drive to an OBGYN in the state of Georgia from any given place is an hour. Now, I wonder what that means for things like cancer screenings or STD testings and, and just things like that, right? And how long-term those numbers might increase because maybe people aren't getting their screenings. Maybe right. they aren't getting them early enough or what X, Y, and Z or right. specifically, and, you know? Right. And exactly. And, like, again, like, the, 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 like, potential outcomes, even if you are someone watching who is very staunchly, quote-unquote, pro-life, the outcomes of it, – it's not just about in, in a lot of these states – it's it's not just about the ability to not get an abortion. It's about we're seeing like health outcomes for women just get significantly worse all across the board um, because of a lot of these issues that I feel like uh, people aren't aren't thinking about deeper than just an abortion. And again, the potential effects not just you know even economically, um, but also just health outcomes for all all Georgians as as doctors flee and people are like, you know, I don't want to do my job in a, in a place that, you know, doesn't allow me to do what I think is medically necessary. I have to go consult lawyers to figure out if I can do what I've been taught for 30 years is the best thing to do in any given situation, and so I'm, I'm going to leave. Um, and that, that can affect people economically. That can affect them, you know, obviously health outcomes for not just women. And on top of that, you know, when the average drive, and, and I want you to take that that stat with a grain of salt. You know, I'm obviously like a lot of people are in the city, and there's a lot going on in the city. But there's a lot of places in rural Georgia that I assume, um, in North Georgia that I assume are are, are small drive. I, I believe I did I did hear the stat about it being an hour. But regardless, I think the point being is that it takes a it, from any given location, it takes a very right. long time to drive. But what about you know now that like it's taking longer and longer. You have to. It's it's uh, taking longer and longer to travel to these OBGYNs to get help. What if you're a disabled woman? What if you don't have a car? What if what if ex- you can't take off work? And what if you can't take off work? Uh, and so, like again, like the you just keep thinking about these scenarios, and it, it's cat. It's absolutely catastrophic, and it's disgusting for a state to a ban abortion like this at all. Yeah. But b to have a ten billion dollar surplus and to let women die on the table every yeah, single and, day. And what what if um 
what if you can't take off work, get an appointment, then you eventually do on like a random day, months from now, you go to the OBJYN and they say, can't help you, as you, yeah. as you were talking about this story yeah. earlier. And then you go to a nonprofit and they're overwhelmed because every woman is being told we can't right. help you. And then there's just not enough to, for, for and, resources for everybody. Sounds catastrophic. Again, yeah, exactly. It's catastrophic. And the thought process here, again, was like, I, I try to hammer this because I just it's it's been very stunning to me to listen talk to Republicans one on one especially on TikTok Live. You no, know we do the debates. Mm-hmm. Talk to them one on one and and their understanding of this. I talked to a guy the other day who said, "Okay, why why can't like why can't women just drive to another state? Why why can't you just drive to another state?" I said, "Excuse me." They said, "Well, if, if you need to get an abortion, like there's places to get an abortion. Just go to go to like California. They have a they you get an abortion in California." I'm like. I, I, it's like almost like it starts to immediately fill you with rage. I'm like, so the, I was like the girl in Mississippi who was, you know, we did a podcast episode on this, raped in her backyard and then forced to carry the baby to term. She's in seventh grade. Obviously, her mother wanted to get her an abortion. Obviously. 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 Like, obviously. And, and I can't believe you can't even begin to think about how, like, that guy specifically, as I'm telling you in the story, how traumatic it probably is for a mother to learn that her own daughter got raped in her, her backyard. I mean, that's, I can't even begin to imagine as a mother, you probably feel a, an immense amount of guilt, like you've done something wrong. But the closest place in Mississippi for them to go was a place like New York. I mean, it's, in these red states, you're really like combined yeah. in, in a lot of places that have strict Yourself. abortion bans. She's working a full-time job to keep their house. Do you know how fucking expensive it is? expensive it is to either a drive from mississippi to new york or b which is a ton of gas and at least like a two three day trip etc a ton of money on flights if you go that way a ton of money on a hotel and for the actual procedure and when we went through all that he's like well if it's six weeks in georgia like like can you not you know like I'm like most women do not know they're pregnant at six weeks. Like you know, and again, I well, think there's no way another, to tell, right? Right. I think there's another. This is like another insane misconception. Like people are like, uh, like I tell dudes this. I tell other dudes this all the time. I'm like, yeah, a lot of women don't know they're pregnant at six weeks. But this guy was like, so let's say you know you're pregnant at two weeks. Like at that point, you have full four, four full weeks. I literally said to this guy on TikTok Live, I was like, brother, brother, let me ask you a question. You call up your primary care doctor right now, right now on TikTok Live. Tell me that they have an appointment for you within four weeks. Tell me. I called my ENT the other day, brother, because I'm supposed to get sinus surgery. My nearest appointment was four and a half months. There is no fucking world that you get into, a, a, that you even get an appointment for something like that. Like, uh, not just like an urgent care, but like a, a, an actual, uh, you know, a, your primary care doctor, an ENT, a specialist. That is not, that is, you never get an appointment within four weeks. And also, it's not about getting an appointment. Let's say, hypothetically, you get an appointment within four weeks. You have to go be seen, and then they have to confirm that this is something they can do for a variety of reasons. And then you have to make a follow-up appointment to actually get the procedure. I'm like, oh, my. Anyway. Isn't it? Yeah, they, they, well, that's what the, the game plan is. They want to put in as many um, roadblocks as possible to make it virtually, like, genuinely impossible. There's, there, look, in these states where there's, like, a six-week abortion ban, that means no, no possibility. That means none. There is none. There's no – a lot yep. of the states don't have exceptions for rape, incest, right. uh, things like – no. You just can't or, do it. Or, or, again, and again, like, I want to reiterate how, like, that's a fantastic point and how, you know, like, when you say, like, they say, oh, well, there's an exception for rape or incest or whatever. There's, there's not. 
There, there literally yeah, no. is not. I don't care no. if it's written in the bill. Like a lot of people don't realize these bills are purposely written very vague, which makes it, it, it easy for them to criminalize who they, who they want uh, and makes it hard for doctors to do their job. God. What? What was that? New York, buddy. I don't know. <laughs> New York. No, no. no, yeah, blue, blue city for blue you guys. City. I mean, just chaos. No, but, you know, it also simultaneously, um, not only that, um, I just completely lost my train. <laughs> you, were talking about, you were talking about the rape and incest exceptions. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there, there is no clear guidelines yeah. on how to get. So, like, we saw this, in, this report from Texas just a few days ago that we've seen 15,000 plus, or maybe it was 20,000 plus rape-related pregnancies ever since their abortion ban took place. After Roe, we saw, you know, even a seventh grade girl in Mississippi who got raped and they went to the doctor and like, there, there, there is no, like literally, I'm not lying to you. There's like, in most of these states with an exception, there's just no clear like way to get access to the exception. And again, like, like I guess some people like theorize that like if if you get raped you'd have to go prove it in a court mm. of law and then they'd give you an exception which motherfucker that is so disgusting because most women aren't even going to report that the rape happened and to make them sit up there and prove that so they can I mean whatever but regardless of all that again it the laws are purposely so vague that doctors even if like you're staring at someone like like the woman in Texas that we again did did a story on who who had a, a who the attorney general threatened publicly to criminalize her and doctors who help her. She had to leave Texas to get an abortion. Uh, you know, she was very clearly in like a, 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 a situation that posed a, a massive risk to her life. There was no chance that the that she was the baby was going to survive the pregnancy. A lot of doctors, even if they can look at you with 100% certainty and say, this baby will not survive, this falls under the exception, they won't do it anyways. Yeah. Because it's so – because it's they're, – they're terrified. Because what if, uh, you know, it's 100% the baby won't survive and there's some – you get some quote-unquote exception, um, but they come after you anyway. But they say, oh, well, you're medical. You know, the, the people who wrote the laws who uh, and the justice system that knows nothing about the expertise of what doctors do can just be like, oh, no, no, I actually disagree. I disagree that it was going to um, it was going to kill her. We're going to put you in jail for life for first degree yeah. manslaughter. So obviously they're not going to do it anyways. A lot of these people will not help you even if it falls under the exception. They they're under so much pressure that they could lose their entire livelihood that they won't do it. This is like one of the issues, brother. That I, the more I learn about it, I'm like, holy fuck! The more, it's it's mind it's mind blowing and mind boggling. It's it's <laughs> man, and I always find it like it's just crazy how people can look at the statistic you just cited, which overall in these Republican states where there's no exception for abortion abor- or rape or incest, it was around sixty five thousand women. I don't know how anybody can look at that statistic of women being assaulted and and having to give birth and like sounds fine to me. Sounds I, good. I, I, get the fuck you. out of my face. I mean, yeah. go fuck yourselves. And I, I mean that, I, and I'm saying it. I'm saying a lot. Yeah, go no, fuck I yourselves. Agree. I agree. I think, like, and again, I've tried to talk, like, extensively before we end off here. Like, I, I'm someone in my personal life who, like, growing up as a straight white male, uh, all the way through high school, all the way to being in college, like, I never thought about the fact, and I'll just outright admit this, and if I'm talking to a dude out there, I want you to hear me. Like, I never thought about in my daily life that being raped or being assaulted for women specifically and and obviously men as well but talking about women for a second you know was was so common you think it's so rare but it's extremely common um and i had someone in my personal life touched by this issue and uh it's something that um i I realized i'd been so 
naive about for so long and didn't understand. But but when you even see someone go through something like that and not get pregnant, or you hear from so many women after this happened, in my personal life, I started talking to women that I knew. And the majority of them would tell me that something like this had happened to them, like the majority of them. And you start to realize it's very common. Uh, I, even, I even talked to women at different uh, at my university at one point who said, you know, oh, yeah, we, you know, when we go out to, to frat parties or out to bars, like, yeah, guys, guys touch us and grow up us all the time. But it's, it's just normal. That's just like a thing. That's just normal. There's three or four of them in the room. And this is like, again, like one of the moments where it hit me that like, it's not okay that this, like, this has been normalized in society. And it's not okay that like, um, that a lot of us are so naive on this issue, specifically of rape and sexual assault and going into uh, abortion. But um, it's also just not okay that we have so many men in this country coming from a straight white male. I know friends who will go out to bars being 22 and think it's okay to like put your hands on a woman, et cetera. And so anyway, just to give you a little bit of background about yeah. why I've become very passionate about some of these issues, it's just, fuck me, man. No, man <sighs> I mean, man, isn't it, it's just so like, Oh, man, they just, they, the Republicans in these states have just plunged us like decades. Like we've made so much yep. progress on the issue, and then they just plunge us like back in the like nineteen fifties, sixties. Yeah, and that's um, why, and that's why, like, you know. that's why you and I, every single day for the next nine and a half months, yeah, are no. gonna make sure with everything in us that Donald Trump doesn't hold office ever again. And I saw this, that dude I brags saw, about that shit. Oh yeah, you know? I saw, yeah, and I saw this. I saw this tweet. And I, I ever no one. I always tell people like every time you ask a young person why they're invested in politics, they always say, "I got invested when Donald Trump, Donald mm -hmm. Trump like engaged a bunch of people that would not have been engaged because he's so fucking batshit, including me and you." Uh, yeah. So he he like he uh, he was essentially the reason that we got involved in politics, and he's gonna regret the shit out of that because in like <laughs> hell yeah, yeah. He's gonna, yeah, yeah. I saw that tweet. I believe it was from someone I very much like. He was like, "Yeah, Donald Trump got me involved in politics, and he's gonna very much regret that because when he loses in twenty twenty four, then he's gonna be found guilty. He's gonna spend the rest of his fucking life in jail." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Damn fucking yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Put him yeah. on watch, bro. All right, bro. Well, listen, guys. That's oh, it for this man. episode. Wow. Longer episode here tonight. That was that was, yeah. that was fun, Harry. I appreciate you being here, brother. Likewise, Guys, man. Um, we are available uh, every single Monday. <laughs> we post we, the podcast episode every single Monday, one p.m. Yes, we post the podcast every Monday, one p.m. on all platforms. If you're on YouTube right now and you'd like to be listening to us on audio, we're on every single audio platform you could think of. Vice versa, if you're on Spotify, you want to switch to YouTube, you can. Or Spotify, you want to switch to Apple Music, you can. Also, Harry and I are available. And you can check out the links in the descriptions. Uh, on every single other platform, we do a lot of TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, threads, X, whatever. Check us out there. We also have hoodies, um, unplugged hoodies, some merch uh, that a lot of people have purchased recently. And I want to say from the bottom of my heart that I love you and I appreciate you. And a lot of that support does it goes. It, we do not take it for granted. We appreciate each and every one of you. Those hoodies, by the way, if you do check them out. They are domestically made, and a tree is planted for each one that is made. And if you want to fact check me on that, they are made through Canva, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. And you can go check out Canva and like how they do it. I essentially am able to, you know, plug in our our logo that was handmade and 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 print those out for you guys. So that's that. Um, we love you guys a lot. We appreciate you. Uh, we'll be live most nights on TikTok this week as well. So if you want to check check us out there, and check us out debating, that'd be great. Uh, and yeah, any last words, Susan? 
No, man, I think this was a good episode, and I'm very uh, thankful yeah. for everybody that tuned in, and we'll see you next week. I agree. Very thankful. We appreciate you guys. And uh, next week, next week, I'd very much like, if you are still here, CMHS Unplugged. Um, I'm sorry. No question. We always mess it up. I know. It up. Questions at CMH, questions at CMHSUnplugged.com. Email us. I would like to answer a bunch of emails next week. That would be really fun. I don't think we got any emails this week, so if you want to email us, feel more than free. And that uh, that that email will be in the description. All right, guys, listen, take it easy. We will see you guys around. I hope everyone has a fantastic week. Be safe, Super Bowl week. Uh, we'll see what happens there, and we'll be back uh, mon- next Monday, one p.m. And uh, we'll see you there. Peace, guys. <laughs>